Worried about letting someone else pick out the perfect avocado for your perfect impress them on the third date guacamole? Well, good thing Instacart shoppers are as picky as you are. They find ripe avocados like it's their guac on the line. They are milk expiration date detectives. They bag eggs like the 12 precious pieces of cargo they are. So let Instacart shoppers overthink your groceries so that you can overthink what you'll wear on that third date. Download the Instacart app to get free delivery on your first three orders while supplies last. Minimum $10 per order. Additional terms apply. eBay Motors is here for the ride. Remember when you first saw the potential? And then through some elbow grease, fresh installs, and a whole lot of love, you transformed 100,000 miles and a body full of rust into a drive that's all your own. Look to your left. Look to your right. It's official. No one's got a ride like this. There's nothing else that sounds like, feels like, or looks like the set of wheels in your garage. With over 122 million parts, you can make sure your number one ride or die stays running smoothly, so there's no limit to how far you can take it. Brake kits, turbochargers, engines, exhaust kits, roof racks, LED headlights, bumpers, whatever your baby needs, eBay Motors has it. And with eBay Guaranteed Fit, it's guaranteed to fit your ride the first time, every time, or your money back. Plus at these prices, well, you're burning rubber, not cash. Keep your ride or die alive at ebaymotors.com. Eligible items only. Exclusions apply. Welcome to the Power Cat Podcast, presented by Fridge Wholesale Liquor. Now let's go to the Rolling Flint Hills, home of the Cats and Dogs Studio. Here's your host, Tim Fitzgerald. Welcome to the Power Cat Podcast, the video version. Fitz and Zach here in the studio. Zach's color, you, your color went bad again. You're I, just going to look weird. It's just going to be weird. Zach is perfectly healthy. Nobody panic. He doesn't have like uh, the, the, anemia. The suds? I can kind of see myself out of the corner there. Am I like pale or am I like red? Uh, you're pale. Yeah, I thought I adjusted you. And in the middle, he never looks healthy. Uh, Ryan Gills Gilbert, who uh, got off work, uh, as you can see by... Uh, the shirt he's wearing of a non-sponsor and uh yeah but we are sponsored by the fridge wholesale liquor i told gil just you know what just we can do this on video just stay at home and now look at him he's all blurry because he's on his iBook air or whatever it is what's it called hey i do have a, a pretty bad phone yeah which one's worse my computer his is computer- up to date ish his computer, the phone. I think I'd take the computer there. Yeah, the, exactly. The the, the phone uh, actually doesn't have a camera. It has a built-in Etch-a-Sketch. That's how that's how old it is. Uh, the computer, the Air uh, Macintosh, uh, put about 480p cameras in their airs. They're awful. Look at him. Look at him. Look at his uh, blurry. He's never attractive, but he's blurry. Anyhow, we're sponsored by the Fridge Wholesale Liquor. Make sure you stop into the fridge whenever you're in town. They're getting more bang for their buck now that they're on YouTube with us. Uh, Go check out their social media. Folks, it's fantastic. They have the best social media director ever. Sorry, Zach. Is it the Beer Fairy? Uh, No, the Beer Fairy is long gone. The Beer Fairy now uh, is the morning DJ at K-Rock, I believe. I believe David's still over there. Uh, but yeah, they, they do some great stuff with their social media. Fred wholesale liquor, the corner, this, that, and the town in which we live on with the podcast. And this is how it works. You get to ask the questions at Wabash station. If you're a VIP to go power cat, it's been that way since the start, we might do some 
questions from the YouTube audience at some point, but not for now. Uh, our subscribers get asked the questions. We read them. You hear them. It's a beautiful thing. Here's your questions from Wild Bass Station. Zach Carlson. From Dinland0809, how many losses will the Big 12 regular season champs have this year? We're doing basketball in the first half. Oh, this is so we've, confusing. We've mixed basketball. it up. It's basketball, yeah, it's basketball season basketball. now. Bas- basketball. Um, I don't know, man. 18 games? 13? I was going to say 13. Gills? Yeah, I would go 13, 14. I mean, you look at Texas Tech, and as of right now recording, like they're the only team that's unbeaten, right? And I think we can all agree that Tech's probably not the best team. You know, so you look at KU or Houston, whoever that number one team might be, they already got one loss on on the resume or on the, in the standing, so to speak. Yeah. Um, it's just so hard to win on the road. It, it It's unbelievable. I mean, if you, you steal them, we're talking about teams, if you're going to go 13 and 5 and you stay unbeaten at home, well, that's that's four road games you got to win. You go four and five on the road, and that wins you the conference. That's insane. That is absolutely nuts. I, I just can't even imagine um, what this is going to look like by season's end. I mean, these coaches, these teams are just going to be kind of battered by everything as I turn on my Do Not Disturb. Um, it's it's just incredible. It really is. I, I I don't know. I mean, could we have like a a team that wins the conference with twelve wins? You know, it'd be a tiebreaker. I think if it's twelve wins, I think you're going to be splitting it. Ah, I think it's incredible. I, I even think at thirteen wins, you're probably splitting. Mm-hmm. If if somebody's going to win this conference outright, they need to win fourteen or fifteen games. I think that there's just there's enough good teams in the league, especially with you know, four extra teams than what it's been in the past. You're going to have to win a lot of games. And, you know, if you want to win this thing outright, you're probably going to split. Gil, so much of this will come down to who you play where. Do you get some of the easier teams on the road? I mean, K-State cost cost West Virginia on the road. I can't remember. Did they come back in here? No. So that was the one game. I mean, that's huge for K-State to get that game. They had UCF, of course, in Manhattan. Wait. What was the first one you said? West, West Virginia. Virginia? No, they do come back. Sorry. Okay. I was thinking I was thinking UCF. Um, they don't go there. Yeah. So, I mean, if you catch the right teams on the road and you can steal some wins and you protect your home court, Gills, I guess that would work. But I, this is going to be a bloodbath. Yeah. I mean, we always mentioned how good Houston is. And, you know, with that being a newcomer, I think we all kind of just agreed upon, you know, we agreed that Houston was going to be really good. And then UCF, BYU, Cincinnati were just kind of, you know, do their own things. Well, we saw this on Wednesday night. Um, UCF's been playing really well, not only a win over KU, but now uh, this afternoon, this evening, a win over Texas. I mean, we saw Cincinnati knock off TCU. um, And then BYU's obviously been in the top 25 this season. And so it's not just Houston that's carrying the weight for those four newcomers. All four of them have been respectable They've been good, and I I don't think many of us expected that. West Virginia, I mean, they kind of are who they are. I mean, they beat Texas. Maybe Texas is the one that teams are going to beat up on, along with Oklahoma State, who K-State gets to see on Saturday. And that's an important game for Kansas State because, you know, we talk all about winning on the road at Texas Tech and, you know, Baylor at home, these sort of toss-up games where the spread isn't uh, 
you know, in, a, in favor of one team or another by too much. I mean, K-State's going to be a heavy favorite against Oklahoma State. Um, these are the gimmies. I mean, you got to have these ones. And if you don't come out on top at home against arguably the worst team in the con- in the conference, you can still recover from that. Your season's not over, but those are just free wins that you cannot afford to give away. Um, but no game is safe in the Big 12. You know, Jerome Tang talked about that last week um, in his midweek press conference. Like, yeah, you kind of have your your thoughts of who's going to win this game here and who's going to win that game there. But at the end of the day, um, there, there are no upsets in this league, you know, losing on the road. There's absolutely no shame in that regardless of who you're playing. No, I agree. Next question is from crispy. Welcome to the podcast. First time I think here with how much playing time, Tyler Perry, Arthur Kaluma and Cam Carter are getting, when do we see the fatigue starting to set in? It's a great question. I think you could include Will McNair in there too. Yeah. Oh yeah. Yeah, they've been. Yeah, that's a lot of minutes. Or even Colbert, yeah. 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 Jarrell Colbert stepping up is going to help quite a bit there. Um, but they do have. I, I mean, let's be honest here. Michaela Bridge is going to have to take some of these minutes at some point. He's going to have to step up uh, mm-hmm. and be more. Um, you know, have some more contributions to this team, and I. Uh, and that just isn't talking. I mean, you've got to be, um, you know, you got to prove it in practice for Jerome Tang. There's a whole whole thing there that you're just not going to get on the court because we need you. Uh, you know, if we're desperate, we'll put you in. But you got to earn this thing. And and you're right. There's going to be fatigue. They are, but that's going to happen uh, across the conference to a number of teams. A lot of coaches only go seven, eight deep, um, and you better develop that bench. They need day-day aims back. Yes. Um, and I think that'll happen Saturday. Um, yep. And they just need to have every available body. They have no more to give after losing two guys that were supposed to be on this roster. I think so I mentioned, some, go ahead. Oh, Zach. sorry. Here we so go. What I was, we're on, on, oh. on uh, virtual. We're going to have all these interruptions, right? Lovely. <laughs> what I was going to say is this is a weird year in the big 12 where you get a bye week you get a bye week in mid February, or at least K state does. So I don't know how many games they will have played at that point, probably close to 11 or 12. But if they can manage through these you know, next few weeks up until that BYU game, they take a week off after um, and they probably get a rest and get their legs under them a little bit. I think that's the perfect time to have your bye week in this in this conference. So if they can get through these next seven or eight games, you know, unscathed, if they can go five and three, you know, six and two. I don't. I don't know. I think they've got you know a tough road ahead um, after this, after they play Oklahoma State. But um, yes, they're going to be fatigued. They're going to be tired. But at a certain point, you're going to be playing games every other day. If you you know if you want to win a national championship, you've you've got to put the minutes in and and play these you know 38, 40 minute games. Um, so you know, I, I think they'll be fine down the road but yes that fatigue will, will probably pop up here soon I agree it's it's going to be a lot of wear and tear and if you're k-state your biggest fear now is an injury or two an injury to a key player you're just kind of out of depth already uh it's 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 not a good situation but uh, i'm sure they'll be protective in practice and and try to make sure everyone's ready to go it's just got to kind of back off it a little bit i think in practice because you lose if you lose one more major contributor you're in big trouble. And they, they will back off in practice. I mean, Jerome Tang mentioned that last year. I think K-State had lost four out of five or something like that in Big 12 play. 
they switched some, th- you know, some things up. They, they changed up the starting lineup. They put Desi Sills in there. And then also Tang mentioned, I think it was Anthony Winchester pointed out to him like, man, we're going so hard in practice. You guys remember this? And they, and they toned it down and, and got some fresh legs and it, it made a difference. Case started, K state started winning some more games. And so, um, yeah, they're, they're going to have to, at some point, they're going to have to calm it down a little bit, but also, you know, I, I mentioned this in my, my analysis piece after that Baylor win, we've talked about, you know, needing Dorian Finister to step up and be that X factor for this team, or, or at least an X factor to come in. And like the question said, take the load off of Perry, Kaluma, <clears throat> and Carter. K-State got three of those against Baylor. I mean, RJ Jones, that three-pointer in overtime, K-State doesn't even have a chance uh, for Kaluma to hit that go-ahead three, three-pointer in overtime if Jones doesn't hit his three-pointer. And so Jones was big. Dorian Finister, um, he got Sandstorm to be played after his alley-oop dunk, right? Jerrell Colbert had a couple of, you know, em- emphatic – uh, dunks throughout that game. And so K-State got X-Factors. They didn't just get one. And yeah. so I think you were happy if Dorian Finister continues to emerge and be this guy. Okay, great. TP plays two less minutes a game. You know, Cam plays three less a game. You know, at the end of the day, that's not going to move the needle as much as you might want it to. They're going to need guys like Finister, of course, Colbert. You know, even Manning can throw it. You know, Rich, like you said, Day-Day Ames, once he's healthy – I mean, you are already thin without Tomlin and Glover. Uh, you need not just one guy. You know, Finister has been great at what he's been doing, but you're going to need more than just Finister to step up and, and be an X factor down the stretch for this team. Because, yeah, I mean, these these stars, the the trio of Carter and Perry and Kaluma, they can only do so much. And obviously when they're on the court for, you know, 38, 39 minutes a game, and that takes a toll on you. And that's also something I, I remember I wrote about this, like before big 12 play began, like 10 things K-State has to do. And one of them was just avoid overtime. Now it's great because Jerome Tank's never lost. He's 10 and 0 now in overtime games. That's great. So by that logic, we should want every game to go into overtime. Right. But I mean, those extra five minutes here, extra five minutes there, those are going to add up. That's mm-hmm. going to take a toll on you. I mean, going out to BYU, like you mentioned, Zach, like that's right around the bye, right? Do you want to have, Five extra minutes in that altitude? No, you 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 need to win these games in regulation. It's awesome they can win them in overtime, but but winning it and keeping your players, your star players, off the court for I don't know seven minutes a game, having them play thirty three minutes a game. That's where you want to be. And I I get it. It's still January. This team is still, um, I should say, this staff rather is still trying to to figure out how this team can really click come March. So it's still a process, but I think they're making strides in it. Tang did, did acknowledge it recently that, you know, I mentioned Will McNair. He's, you know, that he can't be on the court for more than 35 minutes. He just can't. So I think they're in a good good place. I agree. Next question is from came to elevate. It's the second year in a row. We have seen Jerome Tang and his staff turn it on for conference play. What are they doing differently to get K-State playing at a higher level each January? I don't know. I kind of just answered by that question. I, um, like, you go back to the USC game, right? Mm-hmm. The K-State, the, the goal was not to win that game. Like, uh, Taj. Taj started that game, right? Yeah. Right? Did he? St- I mean, and he yeah. hasn't played in multiple games, right? And so 
that, you know, for the first, and that's just a good way to sum up the non-conference, all K-State, you know, Jerome Tang and his staff were trying to do was figure out all they need to know for that, what was it, 11 games um, in the non-conference. That's all they were trying to do was just figure out what they like and don't like about certain schemes, you know, this guy here, that guy there. Um, that's why they've been able to turn it up a notch is because, okay, these games, they mean a little bit more in the Big 12. Now it's time to really get things to click, um, you know, like Dorian Finister. Let's get him on the court more and, and see what happens. And obviously he's been he's been tremendous. Non-conference play is like a sandbox. You can build, you know, whatever you want, play around, but you can start over really easily. You know, nothing's set in stone. It's not hard to make changes. And you're just, you're testing stuff out. You're seeing what works and what doesn't. Come January, come conference play, you get the building blocks. You get the wood, the steel, the nails, the bolts. You are trying to build something bigger than what you had been doing in non-conference play. Non-conference play, you can start over fresh. You know, there wasn't a lot of stock to be taken from what you do there. You're trying to learn about yourself. But come conference play, that's where you're really trying to build. But it's amazing. Just a couple of weeks ago, we watched this team group around with Chicago State and and have issues. It It is incredible how they kind of flipped the switch a little bit. And I think it's as simple as, okay, we've, we've experimented in the non-conference. We know what we like and don't like. Here's the stuff we like. Let's put it out there. Here's the combinations we like. Let's put it out there. And here's the rotation that's been proven to us. Uh, but I still find it amazing. Sorry. I mean, you bring up a good point, Fitz. Um, like, just because you're trying to figure yourself out doesn't mean you should be going to overtime against Oral Roberts. Doesn't mean you should be going down, you know, Chicago State, all these close games that K-State had against opponents that you have no business being competitive with, right? So I get the question. I, I do because, you know, it, it's like the JV team going up against the varsity team, right? No matter what, no matter even if the varsity team is on their worst day, they should still be able to handily beat some of these teams in the non-conference. So it's a good, it's a valid question that you know was brought up here. I just think that at the end of the day, the root is that K State is, you know, once January, what was it, seventh or eighth was the first Big Twelve game. You know, once that, you know, once Big Twelve play started, it's a it's a whole new season for this team and this staff. Last question of the first half from Call Me T22. Can K-State win at home the rest of the way? Outside of KU, no one looks as daunting as the task faced last night. Well, um, they should have gone unbeaten last year and they had a trip up. Uh, Again, in this conference, anyone can have that night. Even Oklahoma State coming in Saturday could Put it all together and win on the road. As tough it is as it is to win on the road, these teams are good. What's unfortunate for a team like Oklahoma State is I think they're they're good enough for the SEC, the Big Ten, maybe the ACC. They're not good enough in the Big 12, and that's the conference in which you play. So, you know, if you rise up on the right night and have that big game, sure, go win. Um, but, yeah, staying unbeaten. Even if you beat Kansas in Bramlage, it's a challenge. 
and we've seen that they have had struggles with other teams. Maybe it's that conference switch that we just discussed, but I, I think they, they could still have some issues at home. Folks, I'm not sold on this team. I'm sold that they can play at a pretty good level. I'm also sold on the fact that they have vast improvements they can make. They can cut down those turnovers, but the turnovers aren't just because they're sloppy. They're not good ball handlers. They've got two uh, off guards out there handling the ball, and you can tell Tyler Perry and Cam Carter haven't had the ball in their hands a whole lot through their basketball career. Shame on their coaches. Uh, They should have been better prepared for something like this. Uh, And, so there's there's flaws in this team that they're covering up, and but there's also improvements that can still come. And if you, again, you play defense like that, you're going to win ball games, and that's exactly what happened against Baylor. They played incredible defense. The crowd and and the defense, I think, rattled Baylor, which is impressive because it's usually a pretty cool handed team under Coach Drew. So it's there's just a long ways to go, and we don't know maybe. By season's end, when BYU rolls in here, they're a, they're rolling, and and they're going to be tough to beat. We'll see how it all plays out. So playing at home, um, you know that's kind of what this was. The question was about, but also like Baylor playing on the road, the number one ranked three point shooting team in the country went five for. I mean, they made five three pointers, atrocious from from three point land was Baylor, and so while you can get beat on any given day at home, even if you're playing a really good game, you know, teams are going to have those nights where they just, they beat you or you let one slip away, whatever it may be. But also you can go on the road and you can win those games or at home. doesn't matter where it's at. If your opponent is just can't buy a basket from three in the first and second half of that game, Baylor made three, three pointers. Two of them came in overtime. And I think, and a lot of us were just thinking in the back of our minds, okay, here they go. At some point, they're going to start to fall. Here they are. K-State goes down by five, and I outlined earlier the importance of that R.J. Jones three-pointer. Um, and so that kind of leads me here into another point with Jones. You know, have him be more of a volume shooter. He's the team's second-best three-point shooter, only behind Arthur Kaluma. Kaluma's up near 40%. Tyler Perry's down. He's just over 30%. And so I'm surprised Tyler Perry's taken over two times more three-point attempts than Kaluma. And so the, the, the reason those percentages are where they are is because Kaluma is taking smart shots. They're in rhythm. He's not forcing things. Whereas Perry, the one three-pointer that he made all game against Baylor was up in transition. If that ball doesn't go in, Jerome Tang is just, you know, punching air. Like, what are you doing, man? Obviously it goes in. Great shot. It went in. But Perry needs to learn to take smarter shots for this offense. K-State can't afford to have him. Um, the amount of times – it happened a few times against Baylor when he had his heat check moments, but this whole season where Perry just dribbles around for 15 seconds, there's no offense, no passes, and he shuts up a prayer. You need to get your best three-point shooters good looks. Now, is Tyler Perry maybe a better natural shooter than Kaluma? Probably so. He is. Um, he has a knack for putting the ball through the net. We hear it all the time um, from Jerome Tang and the players about how good he is in practice. Um, but we haven't seen those in games. We haven't seen those results in games. Why? Because he's not taking smart shots. He's trying to facilitate for others. He's not focusing on being just a scorer because he's also trying to be a point guard, which is not really natural for him at this point in his career. And so I'm for Perry taking 
you know, shots. He just needs to take smart shots. I'm for Kaluma taking more shots, but he can't start to force things. Tang acknowledged right. it after that Baylor game. You got to get him more looks. Okay, that doesn't mean just start chucking up prayers. That percentage is going to go down. But I mentioned R.J. Jones. Get him some more open looks. We saw that he's got that clutchness in him. Dorian Finister, what's the next step for him now that he's starting to play 20 minutes a game here in conference play? Hit those open looks. He hasn't made a three-pointer yet in Big 12 play. He's taken like six or seven of them, I believe. So those are the next steps for this team. Takes you know, Take smarter shots from beyond the arc. You've got some guys that are capable of hitting those shots, and you know we, we hear about it in practice, but it's just a matter of, of getting better looks from beyond the arc for this team to, to really start to, you know, along with, you know, eliminating the turnovers, that's where they can find their next gear. Good, good stuff from Gills. To get back to the question, I think Casey, well, K-State's, they're 2-0 at home right now. If they go 7-2 and at home, at worst, they're an 8-10 and basketball team. Right. So when you think about it that way, you know, a couple podcasts ago, we were talking about what's what are what is our win expectation for K State. I think we said nine and nine. We said ten and eight, somewhere in that range. To get to ten and eight, if K State wins seven games, you know, if they go seven and two at home, a loss to KU, a loss to somebody else along the way, if they can find those seven games. They've already got the one, the win at West Virginia. They just got to go find two. Go beat Iowa State, Oklahoma State, Texas, BYU. I think this team could very well be an eight. You know, this this hot start that they've had going three and one was so critical because now I think that that target is certain. I think the floor is nine and nine right now, but I think that you're looking at a 10 and eight, maybe even 11 and seven ball club right now. I just the, the start was so, so clutch. Granted, um, UCF, you know, at least coming in, it was their first Big 12 game. They hadn't beaten KU yet. Not a team that you would expect K-State to lose to, but, you know, they really did get hot early. They had a chance at Texas Tech. K-State is one shot away from being a 4-0 team. I think that, you know, regardless of what they do at home, you know, I think that they've proven themselves early on getting to this start that, you know, they might have exceeded our expectations a little bit, even just a couple weeks ago going into conference play. A lot of basketball to be and played, you, and it starts on wrong. Saturday. Are you about to go to break right. One, one, one yeah. more thing here. Um, correct me if I'm wrong, but Jerome Tang was asked about, you know, what's it going to take for this team to get to the NCAA tournament right before conference play? And he said eight wins. And it, it felt as if Tang was kind of just admitting that his team's not good enough to compete for the big, a big 12 title. Just try to win eight games and sneak into the tournament and do what you can do. I think now there's a, a real different belief within this locker room after just four games in Big 12 play that they can do something special, not win the league or anything like that. But, I mean, you talk about guys like R.J. Jones and Jerome Colbert going on the scout team and, you know, guys are finally, like, buying into the team, right? I'm not saying that Jones or Colbert, any of these guys weren't, but Tang, especially after that Baylor game, it, it, it felt like everything had all come together for him. They, they get over the hump against a really good top 10 team. Um, and just everybody, you know, everybody's it's, it's starting to click. Right. And we mentioned that they've they're, they're three and one in the big 12 things have overall clicked through these past four games. But I think Tang, the expectation, you know, four games to go to where we are now. Uh, I think he believes this team can do something a little bit better than just eight wins. Now like that, the expectation for this team is, 
has really changed in that locker room, even without Quez Glover, who they thought they'd have for Big 12 play. Okay, we ready for break? Go for it. Let's do it. Here's your break. We'll be back on the other side as you hear from our sponsors. Uh, and we'll have more of your questions from Wild Bass Station. We'll be right back after these messages from our sponsors. Please visit the Fridge Wholesale Liquor, located at the corner of Claflin and Westport Road in Manhattan, Kansas. Introducing the Two-Way V4, where groundbreaking fuel cell technology meets fresh foam cushioning for the ultimate performance. With fuel cell, each step feels explosive, delivering unparalleled energy return. Paired with fresh foam, experience maximum comfort throughout the game. Its lightweight textile upper offers support and breathability without sacrificing agility. Whether you're hitting the clutch shot or locking down the opposition, the Two-Way V4 gives you the tools to play at a high level. Learn more and purchase the Two-Way for yourself at newbalance.com. Welcome back to the show. Let's return to the Cats and Dogs studio. And we are back with the Power Cat podcast. Fitz and Zach here in the Cats and Dogs studio. Ryan Gilbert in his own little special place. His, My his, humble abode, they call his, it. His apartment, but I wanted it to sound like weird because he's weird. One thing that's bothering me, guys, is just off to the side of my head is Rocky the Wildcat's paw. And I keep thinking something's on my screen, and it's his paw. <laughs> uh, anyhow, we're sponsored by The Fridge. The great folks at The Fridge will take care of any needs you have. As you roll into town, if you come in Saturday, maybe you want to pick up some flavors for some tailgating in your car. You don't want to, you don't want to be outside. It's, the weather's supposed to get bad again. It got up to 30 today, and they're going to call it good and start winter over again. Uh, but stop into The Fridge whenever you're in town. Great um service there just incredible people to help you find what you need for your party your night uh or if you're having a really rough week your morning uh and they'll be there to help you with all your questions on with your questions from wild bass station i assume we're going to do football maybe eventually have, maybe oh eventually maybe eventually. We get some field hockey questions yes oh, no, we don't have a field hockey team uh, here's zach carlson from B. Foster, nineteen fifty nine. What was more astonishing, the way K State lost at Texas Tech when it looked like a win was right in their hands, or the way K State won against Baylor when defeat seemed almost certain? They they were so similar, though, weren't they? I mean, you looked at what case happened to K State down there, and I I still think it was kind of fueled by some weird officiating, but. They had that game won, and they just couldn't put it away. And Baylor couldn't put K-State away either. Uh, but they made some mistakes. That that foul on the three-pointer by Kaluma was epic. I mean, you just can't do that right there. You you turn that two-point lead into a two-point deficit, and and next thing you know, you've missed a shot and fouled, fouled Tyler Perry, and it's a four-point deficit. So I kind of feel like K-State was a little more emphatic in how they won it in overtime, but – Two great basketball games. Casey just split the difference on how they came out. So the w- the way that Texas Tech game started, um, I think it was sort of K-State was playing with house money once it got a lead, right? Like K-State's start in Lubbock was awful. awful. It was terrible. It was and then they and then they go out and they have a double digit lead at halftime. But the way you start off that game. You kind of had a feeling it was going to come back to bite you. Did didn't you kind of you, know, you maybe felt the same way? Maybe you didn't, yeah. and of course it did, right? And K State, you know Tyler Perry hit four three pointers in a row, right? 
or was it three or four? Three. Anyways, three. You're not going to do that all game long. I mean, you're not going to do that for a full 40 minutes. And so the way that that game started, um, I, I don't want to say I expected K-State to lose or anything like that, but I wasn't surprised when there was the letdown. I know the officiating was questionable, to say the least, on some of the, you know, the travel with Tucson. Like that was, that was a very bad miss, a miss call. Awful. But I think that the, the sort of the downfall in that game uh, did not surprise me one bit. Now, the way with the Baylor game, um, again, K-State, both teams had a really slow start. But, I mean, K-State had many runs in that game. It, it felt like more often than not, the momentum was on K-State's side. And so when that game went to overtime, let alone the fact that Jerome Tang's perfect in overtime games. Um, but then, you know, they go down by five, like we, we mentioned earlier. I thought K-State was going to lose. So I was surprised to see them come back from that because Baylor, it felt like, finally gathered itself in the 42nd minute of that game. But uh, they were, you know, they were different games and also very similar in 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 some regards. So I just, I just wasn't surprised with uh, K-State losing at Tech after the way it started. You can't start like that. And again, K-State won against Baylor. Awesome. 17 turnovers is not going to win you many games in the Big no. 12. 18 down in Lubbock, you lose the game. If you have, even if you have like 15 guys, you probably win that game. But as you pointed out um, after the game, they clamped down on those turnovers. They did not turn it over in overtime. They did cut it down uh, down the stretch. They like have this in the capability. Last 14 minutes of, of the second half and then none of the yeah. time. Yeah. Yeah, I mean that. So now that puts into context how sloppy they were before. Then to have seventeen at that point was pretty awful. Um, and to beat the sloppy number nineteen, yeah, this very they they just don't have natural ball handlers. Yeah. And it's a point of frustration for me that kids are growing up playing basketball who can't dribble. You know, you're playing at this level and you don't have better handles. I, I can't explain it. Yeah, sloppy I felt on offense. But on defense, that's where K-State did win that game. Great defense. Yeah, I felt K-State coming back against Baylor, I felt K-State was probably out of it more so than they felt like they were going to win at Texas Tech. It really felt like for most of the game that K-State was truly out of it. There was no way they are going to be able to come back. But they found a way to get it to overtime. They found a way to win. So, you know, yeah. Like, like Gills talked about, the – you know, the start at Texas Tech. It was so bad. Once they go on that huge run, Texas Tech doesn't score for, what, eight minutes or something to end the half. I mean, it's just, it was crazy. You know, K-State's playing with house money at that point. Texas Tech was going to find themselves in the second half probably a little bit. K-State was going to cool down, and and that's kind of what happened. Then you have the, the officiating. We all know what it was, and you get that result. So, yeah, I think K-State being able to come out against Baylor – you know, when they're down, especially at home, that you know, it was credit to the crowd for for keeping K State in that game. Crowd was amazing. I mean, it was great. So, Zach, you were in Lubbock. I'm curious. I think the TV broadcast was was poor, so I don't think it, it did a good job of telling the story of the crowd. Um, how how was that crowd like compared to to Tuesday in Manhattan? Um, I mean, like, did that really make much of a difference for Texas Tech on Saturday? I mean, I'd say it made a difference, but not like K-State's. Okay. Bramlage is a different beast. I'd put Bramlage up there with Allen Fieldhouse, maybe Hilton to an extent. But, you know, it don't, don't get me wrong. Texas Tech had a great crowd. 
It wasn't like the arena is full. And, okay. and it, it is a nice arena. It's a great good, arena. it's a, you know, a great place to go, um, you know, spend an afternoon. But it kind of felt just like a casual Saturday afternoon. More so, you know, K-State has so many students that go to the game. That's what makes the environment special, yep. you know, at, at a lot of these places around the conference. But it just, there wasn't, you know, there, was stu- there were students there. Um, it probably depends on where you position in the arena. Mm-hmm. When you put them on an end, it's a little different, especially when they're not symmetrical on both ends. You know, it's just kind of one-sided. Um, you know, it was it was a good environment, but I wouldn't say that it was insurmountable, so to speak. K-State, okay. K-State was not affected by the crowd noise, so to speak. It was very much a, you know, an OU or an Oklahoma State style crowd. You know, enough people are in the arena. It's, you know, they can make some noise, but nothing like like K-State or, or KU. So okay. after... K-State lost to Nebraska. I, I posted something out on Twitter um, along the lines of, you know, it's a two-way street between the fans and Jerome Tang. You know, Tang can beg uh, all the fan, uh, fans to come all he wants, but that Nebraska game was – it was it was awful. It was boring. Um, and so I said it's a two-way street, you know, and I got some heat for it. And was I wrong? Maybe. You know, maybe that was a little rude of me to say. I'm not going to deny that, but – the way that that game against Baylor unfolded, win or lose, like if you're a K-State student, it goes two ways. Jerome Tang is going to beg you to come out, and the way that that atmosphere was, um, how electric that was. I mean, Jerome Tang credited, he says, we don't win this game without the fans, without the with without that home court advantage. I mean, K-State, like, that felt like a KU game at times. After Finister's alley-oop, Sandstorm was playing, like, I got to be fair and point it out both ways. I mean, yep. if you're a K-State student, I like if I was a student still, you know, when K-State won the Big 12 in, in 2019 with Barry Brown, his senior year, I was going all those games having a, an absolute blast. And that was with Bruce Weber as the head coach. I cannot imagine how much fun I'd be having if Jerome Tang was the head coach when I was a student. So it goes two ways. When K-State, you know, Jerome Tang, he's begging you all to come. Um and the results on the court, I mean, and the atmosphere that he's created, I, I, I don't know. And this goes for the alumni and chairbacks as well. After the way that that Baylor game went, there's just – and especially last year, the whole entire season, there's no reason that that Bramwich should not be a sellout night in and night out, and it makes a big difference. And that's why I asked you about Texas Tech's act. Like, it's – Bramwich, at K-State, there's not many schools – and not only the Big 12, but the entire country that can get a home a home court advantage like that. I agree. Right. Next question is from Papa Cat. Who is the most improved player on the basketball team? Dorian Finister. Wow. Yeah, I would say so. I mean, I, I'll be honest. I didn't think Dorian was going to pan out in any way. I thought he was just one of those early signings you get when you arrive at a program and and, he was early uh, for when they arrived, but he was very late for his cycle. Which yeah, still, which yeah he was still on the shelf. And so I, I just – but he's such an athlete. There's something there that obviously they see it in practice. We saw it in the uh, Aliupi caught. I, I had to go back and watch it again because Coach Tang brought up the fact he beat Kaluma up the floor. <laughs> and I'm like, I don't remember Kaluma. But they, he was on the other side of the floor. So they were actually running a really good – Fast break. They had guys on both sides of their guard, and and Finister made it down there first, and up the ball went. God, he could jump. 
uh, he plays above the rim. He he's been called upon to rebound, and he did that. Um, there's just something there that I never expected, and I got my hats off. But you also have Cam Carter, who's playing at a level I didn't ever think he would be able to do. He's got to handle the ball better than he did, but um, he's now a playmaker. He was a shot maker. Uh, you know, he stood out three point range, but now he takes the ball to the hole. He's done some nifty passing. The shame of this is if he had better handles, he could be the point guard because he sees the floor better than Tyler Perry, in my estimation. And um, I, But Cam's gotten a lot better. He's still got more time to get better, and it's going to be fun to watch because he is fun to watch play. The thing with Cam Carter, like the question says who was the most improved player, right? Like, I, yes, Cam Carter was, but – Jerome Tang, like he warned us all summer long and throughout the offseason, you know, Cam Carter is going to be that guy. I think a lot of us, myself included, just thought, you know what? This is coach speak. He's just yep. trying to hype up his guy. You know, Taj Manning's a future uh, all Big 12 player. Okay, let's, you know, pump the brakes on some of the stuff that Tang is saying. And his comments towards Carter, I kind of put in that same category. But uh, they, they, uh, they were right. <laughs> you know, they meant what they were saying about Cam yeah. Carter. So he's he's made a huge improvement, but the you know the oh, oh boy, oh no. my hair, y'all hear me? Yeah, good? Yep, okay. Yep. Uh, the biggest surprise has been Finister, and that's not just the recency bias. What he's done over the last five six games has outdone anything that any other Wildcat has done all season, hands down. And I look at a guy like Will McDare. We don't know what he was in the past. We can see his stats, and that's improved, but. He's so much better than I thought he would be. So, I mean, I was going to say Will McNair. Yeah. Just, and maybe not necessarily most improved, but he feels like not, not you know, go back to Jerome Tank's comments. I and mean, then he wasn't one of these players. But when you talk about buy-in, I guess, you know, he seems like he has found his role and he has become really reliable. I don't know if that's an improvement of what he was in the past, you know, at other, you know, another school, but He's certainly reliable, and you look at him on the court, you're just like, okay, you know what you're getting from Will McNair tonight, and you know you don't really have to worry about him on the court as you might have earlier in the season. So, you know, I think there's definitely more guys on the team like Finister, like Carter, that are definitely more improved, but from a stability and reliability standpoint, having Will McNair there is really key for the Cats. I mean, Will McNair got suspended with air quotes for a game by Tang for like what sounds like he didn't hold the door open for him in like the practice facility or something. So I'm not saying he was immature to start the year, but yeah, Zach, you mentioned it. Like he's just a reliable guy. And from, from everything we hear and what coach Tang says is just a great, a great locker room guy for this team to have and always a smile on his face, positive energy. And so, yeah, I mean, who knows? Like none of us watched Mississippi state, right? Like, we don't really know what he was like, but you look at the numbers. We've all looked at his numbers. He's made a big improvement from what he was before he was at K-State. He Dude, can play. He can play. Yeah. Again, like you mentioned with Finister, like at the time you signed this player, you guys are laughing at me? No, we're – no, He said, he said dude, and I thought, I thought dude was going to perk dude up when I said his name. <laughs> He's just but, laying but, here. Uh, I'm sorry. I'm sorry, guys. Dude, I didn't want to wake you up. You're still laying down. Okay, I. That's the the pow, the the power of Streamyard. I can see the cats and dogs studio here in the backstage. Um, oh, you can. That's right. I you can see, see him laying there. 
with Finister, you know, you talked about it, Fitz. Uh, he was the, – the timing of bringing in Finister, there he is. There's dude. Sleeping his night away. Oh, it's, no. it's, it's late. It's very it's late. derailing but... this podcast. What? Oh, no. <laughs> the same thing can be said with Will McNair. They brought him in right before the season started. He left Providence um, in what, like August, right? And so you didn't, you just didn't expect him to be an impact player, but he's now a starter in Big 12 play. I agree. Moving to football, next question is from KSU Todd. Are you surprised that Connor Riley plans to be in the booth next year, and yes. how will that affect play calling? I am so surprised by that. I am stunned by that. Um, but, you know, he knows he needs to be up there to do it. He wants to do it. It's the next step in his career. I think having Matt Wells on the staff helps if, if he's going to be on the sideline uh, to kind of look out for those offensive linemen and try to help with that. But yeah, I, I think it's a great hire to have Wells come in and, and be there to assist Connor Riley in his first, you know, full season as an offense coordinator play caller. Um, there'll be growing pains, no doubt about it. But yeah, I, I am surprised. I, if you track back to what I said through this whole process, I thought he just wouldn't want to leave his guys on the sideline, particularly in a rebuilding year like next year. But I he must have found a way to come to peace with that. At first, when you hear the news that he's going to go up to the booth, yes, I probably would have been a bit surprised. But when you explain it and you look out, you know, you look back at Matt Wells. He was a head coach. That means he was on the sideline. You know, he's probably a good presence to have on that sideline. Kind of makes a little bit of a, a little bit of sense if Connor Riley wants to be a play caller. If he wants to call the plays, he's going to have to go up top at some point, whether it's K-State, whether it's somewhere else. If he's going to be a coordinator. You know, that's something he's got to learn to do and and you know to improve his career and improve his stock as a potential head coach somewhere so you know i think that having matt wells down on the field is you know it's going to be good for the team i think it's going to be good for connor riley and you know it's something you look at and you say you can trust it i think i think there's some trust there and you know i think that connor going up to the booth is just kind of his growth as a coach going forward yes okay i agree that's all I've got yeah. to add for football. We got it. That was good. <laughs> Last question of the podcast from I Like Pickles Cat. What do you expect the offense to look like in 2024? Will it be closest to what Courtney Messingham and old NDSU look like? Or what Colin Klein had, Matt Wells? Or does Connor Riley have his own unique style? I think he's going to run basically Colin Klein's playbook. I think he's comfortable with that. But he will move around into some different stuff. He'll add his own things. We might see some different approaches in the run game. I don't know. Matt Wells has a history with spreading the field with receivers, um, and maybe we see some of that to, to help clear the way for Avery to run the ball. My, my question becomes this. How often do they want to run Avery Johnson? Are they going to be protective of him like they were in the bowl game? Because you know they're not going to have any experienced backups unless they bring someone in from the portal, but I don't see that happening. So, are they going to be too overly cautious and, and not run him? They've got to take advantage of his ability, but you can't get him hurt either. So it's my way of saying I have no idea. There's too many uh, factors at work here that they they could lean into Wells to kind of design stuff. But I know Connor Riley is a really bright football mind, so he's going to have his own philosophies. And I think we saw from how he called the plays, you know, understanding that he was asked not to 
put his young quarterback in peril very often. How he called the game was very balanced and, and effective. I mean, they, they got the win, for heaven's sake, with a freshman quarterback. So there was something to be said about uh, that he did a, a pretty decent job. And once you understand the limitations of what he was working with from Coach uh, what Kleiman wanted, you understand that he did a pretty good job. I think it'll probably look closest to Klein just because that's what it's been the last couple of years. But also you want to make Avery look good because Avery's going to win you some football games. And, you know, if Avery came to to play in Colin Klein's playbook, I think there's going to be a lot of plays that carry over that, that Avery's going to want to play. So, and, and call on the field. So, you know, I don't think it's going to be anything, you know, what Messingham was or maybe even what Matt Wells was, but I think, probably closest to Colin Klein just because that's what you know most of the team knows it's what Avery expected to play and you know they saw success like you said in the bowl game they were able to win the game when you hire from within it's kind of unreasonable to expect drastic changes right there'll be some you know things here and there absolutely but by and large I wouldn't expect any Sweeping, is that a good word to use? Sweeping changes here with the offensive coordinator, you know, the way that things yeah. are called. Um, you like that word, Fitz? I'm trying my I hardest like, to, to sound I, smart on this. Yeah, okay. Sweeping makes you sound brilliant. Okay, go ahead. That's all I had to add. I just okay. wouldn't expect too much of a change. Well, look, you know, this isn't like when uh, Courtney Messingham left. They needed to revamp the offense. That's why there was a change. This was a, a guy getting a better job. The offense was working so good that he got hired. So I think you probably stick with that. Stick with what works. That's it for the Powercat Podcast. I'm currently petting a dog. You should be jealous, Ryan Gilbert, because uh, I get to pet dogs. And you're at home alone. All alone. We'll talk to you next week. This has been a GoPowerCat.com and Spirit Street production. Please support this show by subscribing to this YouTube channel or follow us on your favorite podcast platform. Okay, picture this. It's Friday afternoon when a thought hits you. I can waste another weekend doing the same old whatever, or I can conquer it. I can hop into my all-new Hyundai Santa Fe and hit the road. Any road. The steeper, the better. Because my all-new Santa Fe is available with H-Track all-wheel drive, so I can hit the trail without a worry in the world. Heck, with three rows and best-in-class rear cargo space, I can pack the whole family in with all our gear. We've got available dual wireless charging for our phones, so we'll never lose touch with civilization, and we won't lose touch with the primordial power of Mother Earth. So which is it? Waste the weekend or do something a little more epic and conquer it in the all-new Hyundai Santa Fe. Visit HyundaiUSA.com or call 562-314-4603 for more details. Hyundai, there's joy in every journey. Hello, everyone. It's Michael Richards here. You might have seen me on CBS working on their Champions League coverage over the last couple of years. I wanted to tell you about an exciting new podcast that I've been working on it's called The Rest is Football. It's me, alongside Gary Lineker and Alan Shearer, two absolute legends of the game. The show combines topical debate from the world of soccer along with outrageous tales from our careers. And I mean, outrageous. Just search The Rest is Football wherever you get your podcasts. All the best from Big Meets.